Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is from Psalm 80, and as yesterday, 79 seemed to be about the destruction of Jerusalem, today's seems to be a reference to the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel, which happened back in 722 BC, not quite a century and a half earlier than the destruction of Jerusalem in 587. So here's Psalm 80. To the choir master, according to lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Yahweh, God of hosts, how long? Will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why, then, have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the sun whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. The son of man, whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Yahweh, God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Now, according to Lilies, is going to be a tune, a meter, something like that, a way to play this particular hymn. And it's from Asaph, another one of the twelve hymns that are attributed to him. Again, this seems to be a later Asaph, or from the line of Asaph, because the reference point here is the repentance of some of the northerners. We're going to skip to verse 2 real quick. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might. Come to save us. These are northern tribes. As you get the divide of the kingdom under Rehoboam, 1 Kings chapter 11, I believe. 11, 12 in that range. They are in desperate need. They have been harmed, they have been wronged, they have been driven out, and God 
God is listening now to this prayer to redeem them, to restore them. So the destruction of the northern kingdom by Assyria in 722 could be a fitting context for this, although it could be written at any point even a few generations after that. Give ear, listen to our prayer, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm 23, the famous one, the Lord is our shepherd. John 10, that Jesus is our good shepherd. This is common scripture language, that the Lord shepherds us. He leads us to things that are good. He leads us to life. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim. I do like to say cherubim instead of cherubim, as most people say in English, because of the, the Hebrew ending to the word. It's an im sound in Hebrew, so I, I just like to bring that into English. We don't normally plural our words by throwing an im ending on them. We usually just throw the s on. And you do hear that in English, too, cherubs. Um, it's a particular kind of angel, type of angel, class of angel. We really don't know. They're angels. That's all we've got. He's enthroned upon them. Quite a picture. That his servants hold him up. And he shines forth for all the world to see. And so the prayer is that he would shine forth for all the world to see him. Especially his people. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Three times in the prayer. In this hymn. It never has the same opening, though. So it's in verse 3, 7, and 19. It opens in verse 3, Restore us, O God. 7, Restore us, O God of hosts. 19, Restore us, O Yahweh, God of hosts. So notice how it lengthens each time. Just a little. I'm going to jump straight to the last one. Yahweh, God of hosts. In English, O Lord God of hosts, the, the all-capitalized Lord, or all-capitalized God that you see sometimes as well, is a reference to when the Hebrew used the divine name God gave to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. Who should I tell the people sent me to them? And then God's response is that Moses should say, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Yahweh. God said, I am who I am. That's Ehweh. Yahweh is Hebrew for he is. So God says, I am. We say he is. It's a confession of our faith in God to say his name. Anyway, Yahweh, God of hosts. And hosts is an ancient English word for armies. We don't normally use it that way. Armies. This is Yahweh of armies. It's a much stronger title than, than Lord of hosts which is easily muddled. A Lord of hosts could be the master of the banquet. Now, fairness, New Testament parable uses that language about God, but like you're having a big party at your house. Now, you could be the Lord of hosts if you're overseeing a large party. And this is so much more. This is God, Yahweh of armies. And those armies specifically are usually talking about angels, although sometimes they do refer to the multitudes of the Israelites when they come out of Egypt, that he led his host out of Egypt. O Yahweh, God of hosts, verse 4, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? 
we had a similar how long prayer in Psalm 79 yesterday. Here, the the thing is, is that God's not hearing his people's prayers. He's rejected them because they have rejected him. So how long? Well, until they repent. You have fed them the bread of tears, tears to drink in full measure. It's a reference to great sorrow because of this destruction that they have faced, whatever, again, it might be the Assyrian conqueror, but it doesn't have to be necessarily so. This could be another event. Whatever it is, it has brought them great sorrow, made us an object of contention for our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. This is why we see that parallel with the Assyrian invasion and conquest of the north because it so fits with the psalm right before it which talked that way of the north of the southern kingdom being destroyed by Babylon. Verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt. It's a reference to the Israelites. It's kind of interesting that you could go to the store today and you could buy a vine, right? You buy a plant and then you bring it home, you clear the ground, you plant it. That's really kind of the picture that the psalmist is using here of God, that he has gone, he has gathered the vine from Egypt, he's then cleared the ground that the vine needed to grow, and he planted it. The clearing of the ground is a reference to the driving out of the nations. Joshua, the entire book, as God drives out the various Canaanite tribes. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Girgashites, Amorites, all those tribes drove them out of the promised land of Canaan and gave it instead to his own people. He planted them there. They took root. They grew. They filled the land. That's going to be the rest of this paragraph, really, well, the next couple of verses at least. Mountains were covered with its shade. It's a very mountainous place. I mean, it's a very hilly region. The images of a towering tree, a plant that has grown so well because it is so abundantly cared for. It stretches out its branches to the sea and to the river. This is God keeping a promise that was made in Joshua chapter 1, verse 4. I'll start at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. God kept this promise. Here it is. It's stretched out to the sea, which is the west, the Mediterranean Sea. It shoots to the river, that's the north, to the Euphrates. It's made it. Now, both of these cases, those are references to the ability for a tree to drink water. Its roots want water, and so they've, they've been fed. So God has provided. God has provided the land, the kingdom, but he's also provided and, and increased the people to fill that land. So now, verse 12 turns the text, Why then have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass along pluck its fruit? God tore it down because it was faithless. Just as Jesus curses a fig tree during Holy Week. John the Baptist talks about the, the axe being laid at the root of the tree. If it doesn't produce good fruit, it will be cut down and cast into the fire. So it is here. The northern kingdom didn't produce good fruit. Nineteen kings, they're all faithless. They all rebelled against God. They're all described as doing evil in the sight of Yahweh. The northern kingdom never had a good king. 
never had a faithful king. They had some strong kings, but never a faithful king. And they led their people to worship idols. The land was filled with idolatry. And God tore it down. He cut it down and cast it into the fire. Verse 14. Asaph prays for God to restore. Turn again, God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They're your people. You have saved them in the past. You have done this great thing for them. Do it again. Basically. The son you made strong for yourself. Out of Egypt I have called my son. A reference we know of is referring to Jesus from the New Testament, but it's also what God has spoken of the Israelites. That's Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, by the way, which Matthew chapter 2, verse 15 will quote from in regards to Jesus. They burned it with fire. They've cut it down. So back to picturing it like a, a faithfully growing, strong plant. The enemy destroyed it. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. So may they perish, a prayer for the destruction of their enemy. Just like we saw yesterday. At the rebuke of your face. Notice the distinction here. Let your face shine that we may be saved. However, may they perish at the rebuke of your face. So God's face does stuff, is the view of Asaph. To be in the presence of God, something will happen. You'll either be blessed or you'll be destroyed. You'll be saved or you'll be condemned. Make your face shine upon the earth. Look at us. Show us yourself. This is Moses when he comes down off of the mountain from seeing God. His face radiated, radiated light. So if, you're, if Moses is looking at you, you're seeing the light coming from God, reflected by him. In order for God's face to shine upon you, the Lord is looking at you. So look at us. Redeem us. Look at our enemies. Rebuke them. A twofold prayer. Look at everybody and bring about your will. Let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. So here it's a reference to God's people as we talked about at the start of the paragraph. But family conversation, who do we know as the son of man? That's Jesus' favorite title for himself when you come to the gospel accounts. You can kind of look at verse 17 in that light. Let your hand be on the man of your right hand. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in paradise. Jesus, whom God made strong by raising him from the dead. Jesus, our Savior. Now, again, here it's a reference to God's people, but just we can catch a glimpse of, of our Lord here in this. Verse 18, we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. If only, if only that, that had come to pass. Now, the Lord does avenge them. The Lord does destroy Assyria, using Babylon to do it. But at that point, there's not really repentance to be found in Israel. Nonetheless, we can look at verse 18 and ask the question, when? When will God give us life? When will we call upon his name? And that's a now and a not yet. It already happened. 
God gave you life in baptism. God gave you life when he created faith in you, and we call upon his name. We pray to him, we praise him, we give him thanks. But we will do this forever when God gives us the resurrection, when we are raised and live with him in paradise forever. We will praise him forever. We will call upon his name forever. And so the psalm ends with that line that's been used now three times, a prayer that God would restore us, and which, again, we know he has through Jesus Christ, and let his face shine on us that we may be saved. Jesus, 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 he has saved us. Thanks be to God. Hopefully this reminds you also of the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Words that you will find in Numbers chapter 6 that God gave to Aaron, the high priest of Israel, to speak over the people. Fitting words that the Lord speaks also to us.